Everybody good today? All right. Some of you are. How many, anybody forget to set the time forward? Anybody or fall back or whatever it was? Anybody get an extra hour of sleep? Anybody? Man, we didn't. But anyway, uh, man, we're glad you guys are here. There was a great song, truth in the song that we just got through singing. that says, all you are is all I want. And I hope that's the truth we walk away with today. All you are is all I want. If you've got your outlines, you can take them out, kind of follow along. We're talking about, we kick off a new series they call Family Matters. And uh, last week, Lori and I were on a marriage retreat, so we were investing in our family. We were investing in our marriage. And uh, we've often said, you heard me say this before, if our marriage is not right, my ministry is not right. And so we have to take that time to invest in our marriages. We have to take the time to invest in our relationships. And so throughout this series, we're going to be talking about family matters and, and how the fact that the family does matter. And there are matters that come up in the family that we have to deal with. And we have to deal with them in a biblical way. And so if you got your outline, you kind of follow along, you know, but we, we, one of the things we struggle with in our culture is connecting sometimes as a family. You know, we, we live in a technological time and era where there's more information, there's more ways to connect than ever before, but we seem to be more disconnected in the family, especially in the home than any time in history. You know, we've talked about this, I said this a few weeks ago, that we, our kids were raising kids that are digitally disconnected from us. And what happens is we get caught up in TV or we get caught up in, you know, the Internet or we get caught up in our cell phones and we get to the point of where we literally are disconnected. We're not we're in the room, but we're not connected. We're not you know, we're not dialoguing. We're not talking to each other. And so it's funny that in this age, when we have so much technology, you know, we would think that we would be more connected with more information, but it's not working out that way. And so how do, how do we combat this? And so I want you, if you will, to read along. This is a passage, the family, and I want you to understand this, was God's idea from the very beginning. If we go all the way back to Genesis, it's important for us to understand that God had a plan, and it hasn't changed. And, and so God had a plan. So let's look in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground. All the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. He's like, whoo, finally. Now, this is right. This is right. And God said it was going to be just right. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, and she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's God's plan, period. And so what happens is we, we look back in the Scripture and we see that, you know what, God's plan was one man, one woman for a lifetime. You know, and, and so what happens? Why is it that so many families end in divorce? Why is it so many marriages don't make it? Why is it that there's always seems to be this attack on the family? Because it was God's plan. It would be one man, one woman for a lifetime. And, and so when we look back at this, we see, you know what? That's God's plan. The very beginning of the Bible. We follow it all the way to the New Testament. Jesus would reaffirm that. And he would say, this is the reason a man leaves and cleaves. This is the reason that a man is supposed to leave his family and go find the woman that is just right for him and literally spend the rest of their life together as a family. And so whenever we look at the family, 
it was God's idea from the very beginning. We back up in Scripture. We can literally follow with a thread all through Scripture that God wants to bless our family. He wants us to be involved, engaged, and connected with our family. He wants us to be a blessing to our family. You think about how many times in the Old Testament, especially where the firstborn child, you know, was, was considered a huge blessing. And then also it was, hey, important for you to leave a, an inheritance to your child. So God talks about, hey, leaving an inheritance to our children. Now, some of us have that mentality, hey, man, I'm going to spend it all while I can. You know, they didn't earn it. I earned it. They can, they can learn how to do it just like I did. But you ought to have that mentality, hey, how can I be a blessing not only to, you know, to my family, but to generations? How can I be a blessing to those who come behind me? And, and so we ought to be asking, you know, God, how can I be a blessing to my family? And, and one of the greatest ways that we can be a, a blessing to our family is to, number one, is to be a godly man or to be a godly woman. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, if I've got great wealth, then I'll be a great blessing to my family. That's not what God measures, but it's are you a godly man or a godly woman? Are you loving God with everything that's in you? And so here, here's a couple of things that we're going to dig into today. Our relationship with God affects every other relationship, especially our family. So our relationship, so my relationship with God has a huge impact on my relationship with Laurie. My, my, Laurie's relationship with God has a huge impact on her relationship with me. You know, so our relationship with God has a huge impact on our children. Or it should. And, and, and so our relationships are really all tied back to our relationship with God. God created relationships. God created man to have a relationship with him. I mean, God, God he created all of a sudden. He said, you know what? I'm going to create man. And he, create, he created man in, in God's image. And so he literally, the man would literally walk. Adam would walk with, with God in the cool of the day. He creates woman because he wanted somebody who was just right for Adam. And so God is all about relationships. God is all about family. And here's the thing. Too often what we do is we start looking for someone else to tell us or to teach us or to show us how to have a healthy family rather than going back to, you know, the owner's man or going back to the one who created all things. You know, and I don't know about you, but there's, you know, there's times whenever, you know, we look for help in other places. And here's the thing. Oftentimes we get contaminated information. You know, we get, we get the wrong mentality, the wrong teaching. It's not biblical. It's not of God. It's, it's a, it's a worldly mentality. And so we'll go there. Maybe it's a talk show. Maybe it's the latest book. You know, whatever it might be. But if it's not biblically based, it's really not dealing with the foundation of what we were created for. And we were created for a relationship, a relationship with God and then a relationship with others. And if this relationship is in right order, it will affect all of these relationships. Not just our family, but it will affect our friends. It will affect our church family. It will affect our community if this relationship with God is, is in order. And so let's look in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. And it says, And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So this religious leader is asking Jesus. He's like, hey, Jesus, you know, you're, you're a religious guy. Jesus, we know that you're well-versed. You teach as one with authority. So what is the greatest commandment? You know, and, and not too long ago, we did a thing on the Ten Commandments. And, and so they're like, hey, we know there's the Ten Commandments. And then we know that there was other commandments that came along. And then there was other leaders who added to that and said, hey, listen, there's like 600 commandments you have to maintain. So what is the most important one? Jesus, can you tell me what is the most important commandment? I mean, what is it that we really ought to be doing? Because we've got 600 targets we're shooting at, and I'm not sure which one is the most important. And so Jesus says the most important one is to love God with everything that is in you. 
to love him with all of you. Not just some of you, but to love him with all of you. And, and so whenever we, we look at this, you know, we, we realize there, there's four times in here where it, it, the word all appears. And it says, you know, and we call this the great commandment. This, this is the great command. We have the great commission at the end of Matthew chapter 28, but this is the great commandment. And the great commandment is to love God with everything sin, with all of you. All of you. Four times he talks about, you know, he uses the word all. And so God wants us to love him with 100% of us. All is everything, right? You know, we, we often say, hey, listen, you know, I'll give God a percentage. God is about percentage. I want you to understand. We see that throughout scripture. God is about percentage. It's not always about amount. It's about percentage. And so here it's saying, hey, give 100%. Give all that you've got. Give everything that you've got. You know, all that you have, you know, put it towards God. Put it towards a relationship with Him. And so here's the first one, is all of my heart is my affections. All of my heart is my affections. That's where we get the word, uh, you know, cardiac. You know, cardia is the, is the Greek word for that. And so it's the core or the center of your life. And so most of us would say, you know, I remember, you know, as a kid, you'd say, hey, where's Jesus live? He lives right here. We would always point to the center of our chest because we're saying Jesus lives in our heart. Now, I didn't have Jesus in my heart when I was a little kid. Here's the thing. I had Jesus in my mind because I knew who he was. But I did not have a relationship with him until I was 19 years old. That's when Jesus took up residence in the center of my soul, in the center of my heart. And, and so, you know, and, and actually, you know, our, our heart is a little bit off center. You know, it's not necessarily center. But what the Bible is teaching is, hey, your heart is the center of who you are. And it, it, it is an important thing that we guard and we protect. And so let's, let's kind of dig into. So the affections, all of my heart, my affections. The Bible teaches we get to choose. I love this. The Bible teaches us we get to choose what we allow into our hearts. We get to choose that. You know, we get to choose that. We get to choose what we set our affections on. And so look at what it says in Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. All right, so that's the book of wisdom. And so what the Bible is telling you, the book of wisdom, the wisest man in the world is saying, hey, listen, guard your heart, protect your heart, for it, it literally, it determines the course of your life. It determines the direction you'll go. Guard your heart. Now, here's the thing is, you know, you often hear people say, well, you know, we saw each other, we fell in love. You don't fall in love. You choose what you'll love. You may fall into infatuation. You may fall into lust. You may fall into something like that, but you don't fall in love. And I know, I know all the ladies are like, oh, you know, I thought that, man, I, I thought that was, that was sweet. It's, it's, it's not. It's a choice. Love is a choice. And so we choose what we allow into our heart. And here's the thing, we may fall into infatuation, we may fall into some kind of uh, attraction, we may fall into some type of lust, but you choose what you put in your heart. And the Bible teaches that, hey, we need to guard our heart. Be careful what you choose to put in here. You know, it's like children, you know, oftentimes they'll put anything in their mouth. You know, and there's plenty of funny videos on YouTube to see what they put in their mouth. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, whoever's videoing who thinks it's such a funny thing, all of a sudden they grab a rat or whatever it might be or something, you know, dog poop or whatever. And all of a sudden, no, 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 they don't want them to put that in their mouth. But here's the thing is we'll put poop in our heart. We'll, we'll sit there and we'll take the garbage of the world and we'll just invite it in. And we'll say, hey, you know what? I want that in here. And the Bible said, hey, guard your heart for it determines the course of your what? Your life. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. It will also be. So, where, you know, where, whatever you put your heart on, whatever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So here's what I love. You get to choose who you love. You get to choose who you love. And, and, and like I said, we don't just fall in and out of love. We choose who we'll love. 
There, there may be people that we're attracted to, but here's the thing. We choose who we love. And whenever we choose someone and we say, you know what? I choose you. You know, I think most of us in this room realize, you know what? God chose us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be in right standing with Him. He wants to walk through life with us. He wants to bless us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to hear your prayers. And so God has chosen you. We are a chosen people. And, and, and so we've got to understand, you know what? We get to choose who we love. I chose Lori. You know, I, that's who I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I can remember praying through that. I remember whenever I asked her to marry me. You know, we were on a mountain there in, in Birmingham. You know, and I kind of planned everything, kind of put it together, and I asked her to marry me. And she was like, I don't know what to say. And I was like, yes would be good. <laughs> you know, so I chose her. I wasn't sure she was going to choose me at that moment. You know, and maybe she had to think about it, you know, because I don't know. But 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 still, I chose her. And, I, and, and so, again, you get to choose who you love. Here's the second thing. It says, you choose what you allow into your heart. You choose. I was talking this past week. I do a training every, every uh, I think it's every Thursday morning at 7 o'clock with a group of guys, a group of pastors from all over the country. And, uh, and anyway, it's a video conferencing deal. And, and one of the, we're talking about strongholds. And so, you know, we're talking about strongholds. And, and most of us know, you know, strongholds, you know, they're hard to tear down. And, but here's the thing is, and I don't know if you realize this, but biblically what we do is we, we build the strongholds in our life. See, we often think, well, the devil's doing it. The devil's building a stronghold. No, no, no. We allow it into our heart. We allow it into our life. We allow it to come in. And then here's the thing. Once we, it gets on us, we can't hardly get it off of us. So we allow it to come into our life. And so the stronghold that has been dominating, and you know, we have allowed that to come in. And so we, you choose what you allow into your heart. Look at this next one. It says, when you allow something or someone in your heart, it guides you. That's what Scripture says in Proverbs, right? So whatever you treasure and whatever you place value on, your heart is going to go after that. And there's some of you in here right now, if, if I were to look at your life, it wouldn't probably take me long to figure out what you what, what you love. It wouldn't take me long to figure out what you love. I can look at your checkbook and figure out what you love. You know, and it, uh, some, it could be different things. It could be, it could be shoes. It could be a football team. It could just be clothes. It could be guns. It could be boats. It could be houses. It could be food. It doesn't take long to figure out what you really love. And here's the thing. God knows what you love. But the thing is, is when you allow something or someone in your heart, it guides you. It guides you. And so when we allow Christ into our heart, you know what it does? It guides us. When we allow Christ to literally come and live within us and to be the center of our life, it guides me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. But he wants to protect me. He wants to bless me. He wants to use me for his kingdom. And, and so I love that. And so here's the thing. Those loving feelings that some of you guys feel like, you know, have, have gone away, that have just kind of just kind of trickled away in your marriage, it's because you quit putting time into those things. You quit making that the focus. See, the things that we value, the things that we, we place value on are the things that our heart is drawn to, our treasure. And so let me ask you. You get frustrated with your spouse, you get frustrated with your husband or your wife because they're not doing whatever. Do you treasure them? Because if you treasure them, you're drawn to them. But you, you go, you know what, but hey, we're not, he doesn't do what he used to do or she doesn't do what she used to do. You know, and all of a sudden you've kind of lost that loving feeling. Because again, it's based on feelings now instead of based on a decision that you made years ago. 
Instead of a, a covenant that you establish between you and your spouse and between you and your spouse and a holy God. And so now it's almost like, you know, I keep hoping that that, that warm, fuzzy feeling is going to come back. And here's the thing. It's because your your value, what you value most, is probably something else. It can even be your child. Instead of Instead of me valuing my wife and valuing my husband, I value my children more than I value my spouse. And so all of your affections will end up going towards your child. And here's the thing is your marriage will fall apart. The greatest thing that you could ever give to your children is for a husband and a wife to love each other, man, with an unconditional love. And and to love each other in a passionate way so that our children grow up with great stability. And they go, you know what, I want a marriage like my mom and my dad have. I I want a marriage that I know is going to last. I want somebody that will love me the way that she loved my dad. I want somebody that will love me the way she loved my mom or whatever. And so I want somebody to say, you know what? I want what God wants. And our children need to see it in our lives. And and so what happens is too often we get caught up in, hey, I need that loving feeling. I need those emotions to kind of take over. And emotions are a good thing. And we're fixing to talk about that. But it's not everything. So here's a good question. So how how do you place value on someone? So how do you place value on someone? Undivided attention. So how do you place value on someone? You spend time with them, right? You give them your attention. There, there's, there's people, some of y'all may know someone like this. You're talking to someone, you know, and, and, I, and I understand there's a time to talk. Uh, you know, there's a time to talk and there's a time not to talk. Uh, but there are times whenever you want to go talk to someone and they're busy doing something else. And they're, maybe they're trying to do their job or doing something like that. And you keep going, hey, well, hey, well, I need to talk to you. And they're like, hey, listen, I have got to get this done. That's not the right time to talk. It's just like with our spouse. There are times to talk, not right before you go to bed, you know, not when they first wake up. They're not a morning person. You've got to figure out the right times to talk. But if you've ever talked to someone and they always look like they're looking for someone else to talk to, you don't feel important. And so if your spouse feels like, you know what, you never plan time with them, you never pursue them, you never sit down and just talk. It's always got to have the TV on or either you've got, a, you've got your phone in your hand. You know, you go to restaurants and you'll see couples sitting on opposite sides of a table looking at their phone. You know, like Laurie used to get on to me. We would go and we would go to a restaurant and there would be TVs with football games and stuff going on. That wasn't a real good thing for me. And so we're sitting there and I'm looking at Laurie and I'm looking up. I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And she's like, would you look at me? And uh, she was like, hey, I need your attention right here. What was she saying? I need you to value me more than that stupid ball game. Amen. <laughs> so what she was saying was, hey, I need your attention. I, I, I've said it before. There's times whenever Laura would be asking me something, which she would walk through the house, and I'm locked in on a football game. And she would she would say, hey, listen, I need your attention. And I'd be like, and I'd be trying to look at the football game like, what? You know, hey, we didn't have DVR back then, man. I couldn't record it. You know, like, that's going to be gone. Hey, so is she. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is, is we've got to be willing to say, hey, listen, I want to give you my undivided attention. And we give somebody their undivided attention or our undivided attention. They feel valued. Whenever you look them in the eyes, you know, it's a lost art. But when you look someone in the eyes and you listen to them and you listen and you can tell, you can repeat what they've said because you've listened. But too often, you know, our phone's going off. You know, one of the things I did this past week, maybe some of you guys ought to try this. I, I, I read an article, and I turned off a bunch of notifications on my phone because my phone will always be, you always want to pick it up and say, what is that? What is that? I turned off a bunch of notifications. You know what? I lived without them before. I can live without them again. You know? So if you can't get me now, you know why. But I turned off a bunch of notifications. And I, here's the thing. I can check my phone at certain times during the day. But whenever I'm with people, I need to be I need to be giving them my undivided attention. 
And so, so how do you place value on someone, give them undivided attention? Here's another one. How do you raise someone's value? How do you raise that value? You know, we buy houses and stuff like that, or we buy cars and they depreciate. You know, sometimes a house will, uh, uh, it will appreciate, it'll get better, but you give constant appreciation. You give constant attention to it. And so if you want a house to increase in value, a lot of times, hey, it's buy it in the right place or either do some things to increase the value. And so how do you increase someone's value? You appreciate them. You say, listen, I appreciate what you've done. When was the last time you told your spouse, hey, thank you for all that you do? You, you sat down, you looked him in the eye, and you said, hey, listen, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being the mom that you are. Thank you for being the dad that you are. Thank you for providing for our family. Thank you. Thank you goes a long way. You know, I, I think about all the times... Here at our church, every Sunday morning, it takes so many people to make it happen. And I love to walk by people and say, hey, listen, thank you for serving. Thank you for what you're doing. This coming Wednesday night, we have a, a dream team party. And Pastor uh, Brandon will go over that at the end. It's going to be here in the room. We want to bless you guys that serve. You know, So if you are serving, if you're on a team, we want to bless you. And we want to say thank you. And so there's a card. You'll fill that out. You can t- drop it in. He'll take care of all that at the end. But th- here's the thing. You know what we're trying to do? We're saying, hey, listen, we appreciate you. We're raising the value, you know, of being on a team and serving here. Here's the thing. You're helping people take steps towards Christ. You may think that working in a parking lot is not important. I'm telling you, people make a decision whether or not they're ever coming back to a church in the first few minutes of being here. They can't find their way around. Nobody will speak to them. Everybody's kind of looking like, you know, you're bothering them. And so here's the thing is it's important what these, these guys do every Sunday morning. Greeters, ushers, children's ministry, student ministry, all these areas are so important. And so here's the thing, if you're not serving, you're missing out, and people are missing out on your gifts being used. And so we want to see you do those things. So we want to raise the value. We want to show appreciation. So here's the thing, whatever you place value on is the magnet, and your feelings are the metal that's drawn towards that. So if I place value on my wife, if I place value on Laurie, I am drawn to her. I tell her all the time, I'm enamored with you. Now, I don't know if she feels that way about me, but I feel that way about her. And, and, and so I, I have intentionally put value on my wife, and I try to tell her how much I appreciate her on a regular basis. And, and, you know, and so the thing is, is I do that on purpose because it's a choice. Because if I begin to take that value off her and put it on someone else or something else, it's going to affect my relationship with God. And, and so we've got to be willing to say, you know, I, I show my affections towards you. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, help me to effectively show you know, my, my value to my spouse. And so here's, a, here's another one. All my association, all my soul, my emotions. And so, uh, like, if we back up all my heart, my if affections, we came here, like, a while ago we were singing songs. There were some powerful songs where we were able to show our affections to God. God, we love you. I posted this morning, what a great day to gather corporately to be able to show our affections to our great God. You know, and so I hope that you do that. But here's the thing. How do we do that sometimes? It's through emotions. So all my soul or emotions, the word for that is psyche, and it's emotions or feelings, emotions, feelings, attitudes, and will. And so here's the thing. we we, we got to be willing to say, God, I don't want to hide my emotions from you. God, I want to worship you in truth and spirit. Any, any college football fans in the room, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Don't act like you not, don't like them now. You know, so here's the thing. We have college football fans here, and we act like morons sometimes. You know, and I'm not one where I, I don't, I don't think I act a fool. And Laurie might would say different, but Laurie is an Auburn fan. I'm an Alabama fan. So we have a little bit of contention in our house and, uh, but we respect each other, right, Laurie? Yeah, there you go. All right. So we respect each other. And, uh, but we, you know, like, like Laurie, I love Laurie's favorite line is anytime Auburn does something, it's like, woohoo. You know, that's her little deal. Well, when Alabama does something, I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm loud and I'm like, God, it's awesome. 
man, well, that was a good play. And Lord's like, yeah, whatever, you know. And, but the thing is, is we get excited. And we don't, we don't hold back our emotions about a stupid football game. And about a team we don't even play on. But you know, there, I, there's so many times, let me tell you, we joke about this here, but our attendance will be down if Alabama or Auburn loses because people don't want to come and have to deal with somebody else giving them a hard time. And I'm like, dude, that ain't why you come to church. You come to church to worship the God of the universe. You come to church to learn from, you know, hopefully from God's Word. And here's the other thing. You get to be around other believers, get to love on you and encourage you. And maybe they say, man, I've been praying for you this week. And, and so here's what happens is we'll show our emotions for a game that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But we won't show our emotions to a holy God who has sent His only Son to die for us. We won't even, we won't even join in on a song sometimes. We stand back there like, well, you know, I'm not a real emotional person. I bet you were yesterday. Or, you know, or whenever you were, whatever game or whatever sport you like. Maybe for you it's NASCAR or whatever it might be. Whatever your passion is, wherever your heart is, I guarantee you, there is emotion that follows that. And so what happens is we, we, we get into church and all of a sudden it's like we don't have any emotions anymore. This is the place where we we'll ought to be the most emotional towards God. God, I am so grateful. I am so thankful, God, that you have saved me. I have been redeemed. I have been changed. I have been transformed. And so here's the thing is, why do we not, why do we hold back on God? And so I think that we should not hold back our emotions because Jesus said, all of your emotions towards God. Give Him everything. Not just a piece of it, not a percentage of it, but give Him all, 100%. Give Him all that you've got. And so our emotions are critical. It says, don't be afraid to express emotions. So don't be afraid to do that. And let me just say this, in your relationships with others, here's the thing, everything that we have with our, in our relationship with God is going to affect our relationship with others. So we should not be afraid to express our emotions to our spouse. Too often that becomes a problem. You know, some, your spouse does something, hurts your feelings, and you stuff it down. And then something else happens, and you stuff that down. And then something else happens, and you stuff that down. And all of a sudden, what do you do? Does anybody know? You blow up. So, you know, and so if you're stuffing your emotions down and then all of a sudden you just explode or you vomit all over somebody, here's the thing, what you're doing is say, you know what, I didn't handle that in a healthy way or a biblical way. The Bible says, hey, confess your sins one to another that healing may begin. You know, it also tells you, hey, you listen, to talk through things, don't let the sun go down on your anger. There's, there's plenty of scripture to back up that we should express our emotions, and so here's the thing, we express our emotions to God, how thankful we are. There's some of you in this room right now, you're probably mad at God. Maybe he didn't heal your aunt or your uncle or your child or whatever. Maybe you haven't been able to have a child at this point and you're angry with God. Let God know that. He can handle it. God has a big chest. You can beat on it. He can handle us. He knows us inside and out. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, I share my emotions, both good and bad. He can handle it. So don't be afraid to express your emotions. Hey, don't run from emotions either. You know, don't be one of those that, you know, I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to run away. And we just stuff it all down. And we never really get close. We never open up. You know, and, and so I don't know if you, some of you guys may be that way. Maybe you get into a, an altercation or, you know, a, an argument or whatever, or a fight or whatever you want to call it. And I'm not talking about a fist fight. I'm talking about like a verbal, you know, barrage. And so maybe you're the one that, you know what, I'm just leaving. You grab your keys and you leave. And I can just tell you, there's so many ladies that have told me, they say, you know what, whenever he walks out that door, I feel like he has abandoned me. So if you're one of those where you leave, 
Because the emotions are out there and you just leave, you're abandoning. You need to stay there. You need to stay there and, and listen, right the ship. Walk through it. Work through it. Talk through it. And then here's another one. Don't rely on emotions. You know, emotions are important, but they're not the most important thing. So don't rely on our emotions. A lot of times, you know, we say, well, you know, I, I don't feel like going to church. Based on feelings, right? I don't feel like going to church. How many of you guys feel like, feel like going to church this morning? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you guys didn't feel like going to church this morning? Raise your hand. Awesome. Hey, I man, I love that. Y'all were honest. You know, God sees your heart. He knows your heart. How many guys ever get up and say, man, I don't feel like going to work today? Anybody do that? Oh, that gets everybody, right? You know, so we say, you know, I don't feel like going to work today. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like helping my neighbor. I don't feel like serving at the church. Man, I work Monday through Friday. I don't want to have to work at the church. I mean, come on, God. But the thing is, is what we do is we rely on our emotions so much so we won't even tell our wife or serve our wife, or serve our husband, or love our husband, because we don't feel like it. There's plenty of things that we do because we have chose to serve them. Not because we feel like it. There's times the Lord said, hey, will you, will you, un- will you unload the washing machine, and, or the, the dishwasher? And I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like it. And my feelings are like, couldn't you not have done it? You were right there by it. What's wrong with you? You know? And, but here's the thing is, you know, that we have a kind of a deal worked out. She does the cooking. I'll try to do some of the cleaning or most of it, not all of it. But we, we, we work this out. We try to share the, the laundry and stuff. And so here's the thing. I don't feel like doing those things sometimes. But I do it because I love her. And I'm committed to her. Does that make sense? And so, and so don't, don't rely on emotion and say, well, you know, I don't feel like loving my husband tonight. I don't feel like loving my wife tonight. Well, here's the thing. It's not about feelings. It's about choice. So, as Christ followers, you know, we've got to say, you know, it's not, about, it's not about feelings. It's about being obedient to God's Word. And so here's the next one. All my mind, my intellect. And so we, we understand, you know, that God does not check our mind out. You know, a lot of people think, well, if you're a follower of Christ, you know, you're weak. You got this, you're weak and you need something to kind of lean into. It's not the way it works. The more that we lean into God, the more that we realize, you know, we, we need our mind. We need our mind to think through things. We need our mind to filter through things. We need our faith. We have to lean into our faith and say, God, I need you to give me direction. God, give me wisdom. The Bible says, hey, you know, ask for wisdom and God will give. To every meeting I go into, every counseling situation I go into, I pray, God, God, give me wisdom. God, give me discernment. God, give me what I need. I need God to, to literally to fill my mind with his word, to remind me of scriptures that I have memorized. And so I'm asking God, help me to, 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 to remember the things and to think through things. God, give me wisdom. Leading a church. You know, one of the things, I, I, I've said this before, there's so many times I don't feel worthy to lead Journey Church. You know, I, I go, God, you know, maybe you need somebody sharper than me. But here's the thing, I lean into God because I need His, His, His wisdom. The reason I get up and meet at 7 o'clock in a, in a group thing is to learn how to be a better leader, to learn how to be a better pastor, to learn how to be a better husband, to learn how to be a better dad. You know, I do those things because I want to be used by God. And, and so... But here's the thing, I'm, I'm working on my mind because here's the thing, I know that my mind has so much impact on the rest of my body. And so we're to love God with our minds. And here's the thing, in relationships, we ask tough questions. We ask tough questions. Maybe a tough question might be, well, how do you need me to love you? Has anybody in here ever done the uh, five love languages? Raise your hand if you, anybody familiar with that? It's a great book if you haven't read it. And you can go online and you can do a test and it will tell you what most likely your love language is. And it might be quality time or, you know, maybe it's a physical touch or maybe it's a quality time, physical touch, uh, gifts. What was it? Acts of service. What's the other one? Yeah, words of affirmation. 
I'm glad y'all studied. But anyway, uh, so here's the thing is, that that is a way of learning, hey, that's what my spouse's love languages are. Now, I've said this a thousand times. I'm bad about trying to speak my love language to Lori. Mine is words of affirmation and physical touch. Well, that doesn't mean anything to her. But I'm telling her, hey, man, you look so beautiful today. She's like, thanks. Hey, can you help with these dishes? Hey, can you help with the laundry? Hey, can you do whatever? And, and so for her, you know, I have to think about, hey, what is her love language and speak that. So there's times we need to ask our spouse, hey, how can I love you more? How, show me how to love you. And let me just say this. I think we do the same thing with God. It's saying, hey, give, love God with all of your mind. God, help me to learn how to love you more. God, will you teach me? God, will you, will you open up my mind? Help me to understand things that I don't understand. The, the Bible says the things of God are foolishness to the common man. And without the Spirit of God, we don't understand the things of God. If I don't have the Spirit of God in me, you know, that is literally discerning things, telling me things, teaching me things, equipping me, then here's the thing. I, the, the things of God don't make sense to me sometimes. But when I have the Spirit leading me, it makes all the difference in the world. So here's the thing. Ask tough questions. How do you need me to love you? Here's the other thing. Plan important time together. Use your mind and your calendar, you know, to plan special time together. Like last week, Lori and I went to, to that marriage retreat. It was an incredible marriage retreat. You know, and so we had a great time. We got to worship with a, a friend of ours at their church, and he had a great message. And so it was just good time away, just uh, Laurie and I. And so it was a five-hour drive there, five-hour drive back. So we had a lot of conversation, got to talk through things. And so it was something that we had to, you know, plan. We, we talked about it months ago. We put it on the calendar. We worked through that. You know, made sure that Pastor Daniel could step in and preach, and he did an awesome job. Y'all give it up Pastor Daniel. Man, he did a good job. And, and so, but here's the thing is, Plan important time together. You know, we only have so many hours in a day. So what are you doing with it? What, are you making the most of it? And so hopefully, prayerfully, you know, you're using your mind to, now here's the thing, plan a time, and then here's the thing, make it special. Think, hey, what would make it special? What does she love? What does he love? What would make it special for him? And, and so ask those questions, and then plan time together. And here's another thing, study God's Word. I think one of the greatest things we could do is to study God's Word. So that we, we learn more of, hey, what does God want? What does God desire? You know, one of the things that we did we met last week, or I guess it was the week before, with our, our staff. And we had a, a staff planning time, a retreat, if you will. We call it a retreat, but it's work. And, uh, and so we get together, and we were talking about the next six months. What are the plans and what's going on? And so I kind of cast the vision of what I feel like God has put on my heart for our church. And it's a, it's a year of new things and new opportunities. So it's a year of newness. And I go back to Isaiah where God says, look, I am doing a new thing. So there's some new ministries that we're going to attempt this year. There's some new things that we're going to try this year. And maybe we've never done them before. And that's okay because, you know what, God has said, hey, listen, I am doing a new thing. Like water's in a wasteland. And so we want to be on board with what God is doing. And so as we, we shared with that, we were thinking through, hey, how do we bring that vision and how do we bring that that God has laid on your heart, how do we bring that to fruition? So we were thinking through the details that we're planning. We're thinking, hey, how do we get outside of our, our comfort zone? How do we try something new? How do we grow the church and the kingdom of God in a way, that, you know what, that we feel like God is honored? So all those things work together. And so we study God's word. And so one of the things I shared with the staff, I said, hey, listen, I said, I feel like, you know, the most important thing we could do is do a better job of communicating God's word, teaching it, putting God's word in people's hands. Here's the other thing, and getting our people to study God's word. Because there's two things that will last forever, the souls of men in one of two places, a place called heaven or a place called hell, and the word of God. So the greatest investment we could make would be for you guys to be in God's word somehow, some way. 
And so our job as staff, as pastors, as elders, is to, you know what, do everything we can to get God's Word in front of you and to get you to where, you know what, you feel like, you know what, this is something I need for my family, this is something I need for me. And if we will apply God's Word, I tell people all the time, hearing God's Word is a blessing. But the application of God's Word is where life change takes place and we really begin to experience the blessings. So here's the last one. All your strength, actions. So here it's talking about combined focus, all out actions and might. So all your strength. You know, when we think of strength, all of us, you know, we, all, we think muscles and stuff. But it's with everything that's in you. It's, it's everything you got. Combined focus. I love that. And so here's the thing. For love to be love, it has to be acted upon. For love to be love, it has to be acted upon. Love is an action. Love is a decision. And, and so we, we've got to understand that. So all your actions, so we're to love God with our mind. We're to love Him and think about His characteristics, His qualities. So we love Him with our mind, but we also love Him with our action, with our service. Jesus came as a suffering servant. Jesus served the disciples. Jesus washed their nasty feet. Jesus literally fed the hungry. Jesus healed the lame. He was a man of action. And, and here's the thing. We could say He had great teaching, but here's the thing. We look back, and most of us remember more about what He did Sometimes than what he said. If, if I were to go around and do a trivia, Bible trivia thing, many of you would talk more about what he did than what he said. But I'm just telling you, God expects the same in us. He expects action in us that when, we, when we're serving others, we are serving him. Jesus said, what you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And so whenever we serve people, when we bless people, and we look for ways to do that, we're blessing God, we're blessing Christ, and we're blessing the people that he has put in our life. And so for love to be love, it has to be acted upon. Love is not a feeling. We've already covered that. Love is not a feeling because there's too many times we just don't feel like doing something, but love is a decision. And so love is a decision. And that decision is action. I've made a decision. I'm going to follow Christ. It doesn't say I'm going to sit here and be a, just be a believer, does it? I have made a decision. No, though none go with me, I still will what? Come on. If no, though none go with me, I still will what? Follow. That's action. We're moving. We're doing something. We're not just sitting on our, our keister and sitting there going like, God, bless me some more. We're saying, God, use me. God, if nobody goes, I'm still following Christ. If nobody goes with me, I'm still following you, Jesus. And here's the thing, there's action in that. And what God is saying, hey, listen, with all of your actions, with all of your ability, with all that you've got, with all of your strengths, with all of your gifts, honor me. That's what he's saying to us. And so you go back and say, Jesus, what's the most important thing? To love God with everything that's in me. With all that I've got. That I give Him everything. I don't give Him leftovers. I don't give Him just what I don't want to give anybody else. But I give Him everything. So with all of your actions. So love is an action. Which it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we just finished teaching a series on just right on the money or right on the money. We got the workshop today. Don't forget... If you guys would, to go ahead and sign up for that if you haven't already, if you want to go to that. We just need to make sure that everything's right in there. But in that, in that teaching right on the money, we were talking about money, one of the most precious things to us, and how crazy we get whenever we start talking about money. But what happens is we think about whenever you get money, talk about where your affections may be. Are you thinking more about what you can do for you, or are you thinking more about what you can do for others? There are some people that can't even pay their light bill. Some people can't stay warm. Some people don't have anywhere to live. And so when we get our money, we think, hey, that's a new pair of shoes. Hey, that's a new gun, new bow, new boat, new whatever, new car, new whatever that we've already got tons of. 
And so do we, do we think about others? Do we, do we think about action for someone else or is it action for me? Do we think about somebody we could bless? I had someone, when I was walking in, someone walked up and said, hey, listen, how do I give money to that kid that got hurt? I said, you can just give it to Barbara Ann or Karen. I said, and they'll get it to the family. But I love the fact that they were thinking about someone else and not about me. So love your neighbor as yourself. I love the fact that God cares about percentages, not about amounts. And see, here's, here's what I think sometimes we get caught up in. Hey, I gave this amount, but what's the percentage? See, here God is saying, hey, listen, all, love me with everything. You know, love me with all of your, your strength, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your emotions. Love me with everything, all. How much is that? That's 100%, right? We look back in Scripture, we see where he talks about the tithe. The 10, 10% is a big deal to God. And I know a lot of times we try to play it down. And then you get into the New Testament. Jesus says, hey, listen, yes, you should tithe, but don't leave the more important things undone. He goes, give him everything. And, and so it's easy for us to kind of just kind of write it off. But I, I love a, a passage. It's not in your notes, but I want to share this with you. And, and it, it's a, to me, it's a powerful, and it's in the same chapter that we, we started in Mark chapter 12. But if you read on down at the end of the chapter, there's this widow. And so here's what's crazy is Jesus is in the foyer. It'd be kind of like out there. So when people would come in to give, you know, we do it. You can give online. You can text to give. I know you guys probably know all this. You can text to give. You can give online. You can automate it where your tithe is automatically sent in from your checking account to the church. We give you every possible way to do that. But back in Jesus' day, now think about this. They had, they had a, a, a place where you gave, and it was in the foyer. And it says that Jesus sat down to watch them give. He sat down to watch them give. You know, and so he's watching them give. So maybe you don't realize, but God, God cares about what you give. Jesus cared about what was given. And I know sometimes we try to play that down, and we think, well, you know, God doesn't really know. No, he's watching. And so what's funny is, you know, these people come by and they, they drop a lot of money in there. And the disciples were probably like, wow, Jesus, did you, just, did you see how much? They must really be godly. He goes, no, not really. They only gave a small percentage of what they've been blessed with. And then another guy comes along, he drops a lot of money in. And they look at Jesus, they're like, Jesus, what, what about this dude, man? He, he really gave, I mean, that's a lot of money, Jesus. I mean, was that not a godly guy? And he goes, not really. He gave even less than the other guy, percentage-wise. And then this little lady comes by with a widow's mite. She drops it in an offering basket. And he goes, you know what? She gave all. She gave all. And so here's this widow with a couple of mites. She drops them in the offering basket. And Jesus would commend her. And it, it, like I said, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus was all about the percentage He's like, what are you giving? She gave it all. She gave all she had to live on. She trusted God more. And so what, what happens is too often we go through life and we get caught up in the amount whenever God is more concerned about the percentage. And so here's some next steps for me today. Number one, I realize my family will never be right until my heart is right with God. And that's truth, I'm just telling you. You... And your family will never be where God wants it to be until your heart is right with God. And that's you and your spouse. You've got to say, God, work on me. Don't, work, don't try to fix your spouse. Let God work on them. You work on you. 
And then here's another one. I choose today to give all of me to Jesus. What percent is that? That's 100%. I'm not just going to give him Sunday morning from 9 to, you know, whatever. Or 1045 to whatever. I'm not just going to give him, you know, that and maybe life group. But I'm going to give him all. I'm going to give him everything. I'm going to give him my mind. I'm going to give him my emotions. I'm going to give him my strength. I'm going to give him my affections. I'm going to give it all. And you know what? The people around me are going to see the difference. Wouldn't it be awesome? And instead of walking into worship and kind of doing this or, or kind of just standing around. But whenever you come into worship and a song is sung, people around you begin to see you go, Man, I, I've been redeemed. I've been changed. I've been saved. I've been set free. I can't get over it. Man, God, thank you for loving me. Wouldn't that be awesome for them to go, man, that dude has changed. He's been transformed by the power of God. God, I want what he's got. Your affections towards God will affect the people around you. Come on, man, what's wrong with us? That we would hide our affections from a holy God. But we would love him with everything. And here's the last one. I choose today to love my spouse. If you're in a marriage relationship, you've got to make that choice. Say, God, I choose to love my spouse. I choose to love him. I choose to love her with everything that is in me. God, I want to give all to my marriage. God, I want to love them like I've never loved them before. And God, I believe that if I love you with everything that's in me, you will help me and you will teach me how to love my spouse. And I know that it will be a blessing to my family. God, I want to give you all. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe maybe God just is, is speaking to you. and Say, you know what? You've been giving me a small percentage. Not just in giving, but it's just of your heart, of your affections, of your mind, of your strength, of your emotions. And so maybe you realize today, you know what, God, I haven't been giving you anything. And God, I want to ask you to forgive me. God, will you forgive me? His answer is yes. God, but from this point forward, I want to live for you. I want, I want my life to matter. I, I want to see the kingdom expanded. I want to see the church grow. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see marriages healed. I want to see marriages saved. And God, I want you to start with mine. I want you to start with mine. And maybe, maybe that's you. You say, God, I want to, want to ask you. Would you change me today? Will you accept me today? And his answer is yes. Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ. The first step is say, Jesus, I want to be redeemed. Jesus, I want to be saved. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I'm asking you to come and live within me. And, Jesus, I give you all of me. All of me. But you know what? I believe there's some marriages in here where you haven't been giving your all to your marriage. And I know we're pressed for time this morning. But you know what? I'm going to ask if everybody would just stand. Everybody just stand. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. But I want to give you an opportunity just to take your spouse by the hand and walk down here to the aisle. And maybe get down on your knees and pray. Maybe just walk up here to the, to the altar and pray. The music's going to be playing. And you know what? I'm just, I want to give you that opportunity. I just feel like God has said, you know what? There's somebody that needs to get in. So you know what? I'm all in to you and to our marriage. And so just as God leads you, anybody that will, just come down. Say, bring, bring your spouse. Come down here and say, you know what? I am all in. I am fully committed to you. I love you. I choose to love you. Right now, you respond as God leads you. Just right now. You just you step out. Don't sit there and wait. But if God has put it on your heart, then go. I'm all in. 
100%. I am all in. I want this marriage to go. I want it to be all that it can be. I want to live for God. I want to love God with everything that's in me. I'm all in. Father, I pray a blessing over these families that have come forward, every marriage. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them. God, I pray that today, if they've only been given a small percent of their affections, of their commitment, Lord, Father, to this marriage, I pray that all change today. God, that it would change today. God, I pray that you would show them how they can learn how to love their spouse. God, let them put their mind into their marriage. Let them put their emotions into their marriage. God, help them to speak into their marriage. Help them to speak into their spouse. God, help them to show affection. God, to give them their, their spouse undivided attention. Lord, Father, to constantly tell them how much they're appreciated, how much they're loved, and how much they're cherished. So, God, I pray that you would continue to, to mend, Lord, Father, not from this, just today, but from this point forward. God, that we would begin to make adjustments. Father, we would love them with all of our strength. Our actions would back up our thoughts and our words. And so, God, I pray that I pray for all these marriages. I pray that you would bring healing. Maybe some of them have been on the rocks. Maybe some of them have been close to divorce. God, I pray for healing. And Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here today realizing that our family matters. And the matters of the family, God, affect all those around us. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing over every couple that is in this room, especially these that have come forward, acknowledging that, God, they need to put you first. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them and use them to do great and mighty things, not only in their home, but in this community and in this church. And God, I pray that you would use them as a light in a dark world. Father, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. As these guys are making their way back, man, there may be somebody here that you put your faith in Christ today for the very first time. Man, we care about that. We care about We want to walk with you. We want to celebrate the most important decision you have ever made in your life. And so if you have put your faith in Christ today, Pastor Brandon's fixing to go over some of the details of that. You can, you can fill out a card. You can drop it in the offering basket. You guys can be seated. And, and so you can, you can let us know that there is a VIP room back here in the back. We have a team back there of people that will pray with you, that will talk with you. There may be some of the marriages that came forward that you feel like, you know what, I need someone to pray with us. You know, then go back there. That's what that team is for. But we care about you guys. But God is watching, and He wants us to give all, 100%. God bless you guys.